Okay, we're going to look at two scripture passages this morning. The first one is Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. If you could please stand for the reading of God's word. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Okay, now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the believers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. You know that mankind has been searching for solutions to various kinds of problems since the beginning of time. And in some cases, we've done a pretty good job. Um, We need an easier way to move a load, especially a heavy one, from one place to another. The solution? The wheel. We know that there are these things called germs or bacteria that cause disease, so how do we cure someone who contracts one of these infectious diseases? The solution? Antibiotics. And the first being the discovery of penicillin. How can we talk with someone who is so far away that they couldn't hear us even if we shouted? The solution? The telephone. How can we use the power of electricity to light our homes? The solution? The incandescent light bulb. And we've come up with solutions for the problems of exploring space, landing men on the moon, harnessing wind, water, and sunlight to produce power, cook a meal in a matter of minutes, and magnifying sounds so that I don't have to shout to be heard by everyone in this room today. And I've just scratched the surface of the solutions that uh, that mankind has come up with 
to the problems that we've faced. And certainly there are some solutions we're still searching for. Things like a cure for cancer. So what does that have to do with Easter? Well, the wonderful thing about Easter is that it points to solutions for life's two greatest problems. Unlike the problems I've mentioned already, mankind could not in their wisdom, intellect, and creativity come up with solutions to these two great problems. And the solution to these problems could only come from God. And we've already heard what those solutions are. We heard them in the Apostles' Creed that we recited together and in the scripture passages that we read together this morning. Let, re, let me remind you what those are. In the Apostles' Creed, he was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. In Luke chapter 24, verses 6 and 7, the angel said, He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then in 1 Corinthians passage, chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, For what, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, the Christ, that Christ died for sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Those are the solutions. Did you hear them? They are mentioned in each of those three passages, and they are in fact at the heart of the Gospel. Here they are. Christ was crucified. He died. And the other, he rose from the dead. So, what problems are those solutions to? Well, what Jesus did by his death on the cross is a solution to the problem of sin. And what Jesus did when he rose from the dead is a solution to the problem of death. Let's look first at Jesus' solution to the problem of sin. The scripture tells us that he was crucified, he died. And in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 it tells us, In him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So let's begin with the empty cross. Because the cross was empty, we have the promise of forgiven sins. The cross is empty because Jesus died there, and you don't leave dead men on the cross. Once they've died, you take them down. Don't ever believe anyone who tells you that Jesus was unconscious or had fallen asleep. There was no question. Jesus died. He was dead. The soldiers at Calvary knew it. The Roman authorities knew it. The Jewish leaders knew it. And so together they made up a lie. They said that the disciples came and stole the body. Can you imagine 11 ragtag, some fishermen, some tax collectors, overpowering Roman soldiers, moving a two-ton stone and stealing the body of Jesus just so they could claim that he had come back to life and then willingly die? 
to protect that lie? You see, Jesus really did die. That's why I want you to see the cross this morning. It's the place where he died. But today, it's empty. Empty of the body of Jesus, but full. Full of God's promises. Full of hope for you and for me. The promise of the empty cross is that you and I can stand forgiven. Because it was on the cross that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Sin. Now there's a word that's not very popular. It's a word that isn't politically correct. But the simple fact of the matter is we have all sinned. Every one of us. You, me, the person sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. We have all sinned, the scripture says, and fallen short of the glory of God. The only person who ever lived a sinless life is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Everyone else has failed. So, here's the problem. According to God's law, the, the, the wages of sin is death. He says, the soul that sins will surely die. So, because we have sinned, we deserve God's just punishment. We deserve eternal death. The Bible describes that as hell. However, when you look at the empty cross, it is a reminder of God's promise that we have been forgiven. On that cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. God's word tells us again, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, it was on that cross that Jesus Christ offered his perfect, sinless life on behalf of each one of us. No one else, not Moses or Abraham, not David or Isaiah, not Muhammad or Buddha, no one else has ever lived perfectly and then offered his perfect life for our salvation. Only Jesus Christ did that. That is why the Bible tells us that there is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved, only in the name of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ breathed his last on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. See, he did that because the penalty was paid. On that cross, that empty cross, it was there that his blood was spilled for our salvation. Before that fateful Friday, God could open his book with our names in it, and written in black were the words, guilty of sin, by each of our names. But because Jesus went to the cross, our sin accounts can literally be transferred to his name. Because of what Jesus did on that day, Across your name and mine, it could be written, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, you and I can be forgiven. 
See, the first solution of Easter is the empty cross. And it's filled with the promise of forgiven sins. Jesus also provided a solution to the problem of death. The scripture tells us that he rose from the dead. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Since the children, speaking of us, have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in, in slavery by their fear of death. So how by his death did he free us from the fear of death? He did it by not staying dead. He rose from the dead. Let me tell you about Philip. Philip never looked or felt like he belonged. He was pleasant enough, but he looked a bit different and sometimes seemed unusual to his eight-year-old classmates. In his Sunday school class several weeks before Easter... Philip's teacher introduced a special project. He gave each member of the class a plastic egg. You know, the kind that pantyhose used to come in? (laughs) And he explained that each child was to go outside and find a symbol for new life and put it inside that egg. And enthusiastically, the class responded. And back in the classroom, eggs were opened one at a time with each child explaining the meaning of his symbol. In the first egg was a pretty flower. In the next, a beautiful butterfly, while green grass was in the third. The children oohed and awed. In another was a rock, which prompted laughter. Finally, the last egg was opened, and there was nothing inside. That's stupid, said one child. Another grumbled, someone didn't do it right. The teacher felt a tug on his shirt. It was Philip who said, that's mine and I did do it right. It's empty because the tomb was empty. Philip continued to struggle with many physical problems. That summer he picked up an infection which most children would easily have shaken off. But Philip's weak body couldn't, and a few weeks weeks later, he died. At his funeral, nine eight-year-olds with their teacher brought their symbol of remembrance and placed it near his coffin. Their unusual gift of love to Philip wasn't flowers. It was an empty egg, now a symbol to them of new life and hope. It was Philip, the different child, who had helped his friends see the wonderful hope in the message of Easter. For in the fact of the empty tomb is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise to every one of us who have accepted Christ as Savior that we too will be raised to eternal life. As a little boy and his father were driving down a country road on a Beautiful spring afternoon, suddenly out of nowhere, a bumblebee flew in the car window. Since the little boy was deathly allergic to bee stings, he became petrified. But the father quickly reached out, grabbed the bee, squeezed it in his hand, and then released it. But as soon as he let it go, the young son became frantic once again as it buzzed around the car. 
His father saw his panic-stricken face. Once again, the father reached out his hand, but this time he pointed to it. There, stuck in his skin, was the stinger of the bee. Do you see this? He said. You don't need to be afraid anymore. I've taken the sting for you. And this is the message of Easter. We do not need to be afraid of death anymore. Christ faced death for us. And by his victory, we are saved from sin. Christ has taken the sting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, it asks this question. Where, O death, is your sting? Christ has taken the stinger for us. He has risen. Fear is gone. New life is ours. So to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, death has lost its sting. It is no longer something to be feared. What fear is there when we have the promise that one day we will be forever with Jesus in heaven? The empty tomb is God's way of saying to us, Relax, my child. I took the sting. Death can't hurt you anymore. Why was the tomb empty? Because Jesus was alive. The angel said, He is risen. And the promise to us is that we too can live even if we die. The second solution of Easter is the empty tomb filled with the promise of eternal life. Gentlemen, with those of you who will be serving communion today, prepare. And I would ask that as soon as you're ready, you go ahead and begin 